We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Looking ahead to the fantasy playoffs, that's what we're talking about today on Stealing Bananas, brought to you by WinBet. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find my Stealing Signals newsletter at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his great work over at Rotoviz. And Sean, this week was the final week of the FFPC regular season, so we have some teams that are now either done or moving on to the FFPC league playoffs, which is the next couple of weeks. And then the FFPC has the big shootout from weeks 15 to 17. Obviously most fantasy leagues, weeks 15 to 17 are the main fantasy playoffs. We have a couple teams uh, like our FFPC dynasty team that we're looking forward to you know, those weeks as well. Then and still have a couple more weeks in the regular season. Right. So couple different formats. We, we like to talk about our, our main event teams a decent amount on here. We have one uh, fun one that we've mentioned a few times where we started Christian McCaffrey and A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill at the 2-3 turn. It got Jalen Hurts later, and it was a team that we were really excited about. For a while, was not clear if it would get in this week. Uh, snuck in with the final spot, the final points for spot by, I think, like six points. So that was very exciting. Came right down to Monday Night Football. That's a team that we think has a, a lot of upside. We we now have to win the next two weeks to get into the shootout, but has a lot of fun elements to it. But yeah, how you doing? Good. This week 12, very exciting. As you mentioned, Colin Kelly and I had a lot of fun with the Road of His overtime shows that we did on it. I think that this week with having a couple games in the 70s, having these overtime games, having team games that came down to two-point conversions at the end, I mean, this got me really excited about football again, just from a reality perspective too, to be able to watch some games that were fun and that do shoot out. And this is more, I think what we're looking at and looking for from a fan's perspective. So that part of it was really cool. Obviously, I mean, you continue to have some of these injuries to players that were very heavily exposed to in terms of Travis Etienne basically scoring no points and going out. And you get the... You know, a little bit disappointing news that probably he was okay and they just decided to be careful but that makes sense for them i mean that's what you should do as the reality team there so you can understand it but ben this was so exciting because we were in a four-team race for the last spot one of the teams we went into the final week trailing by 20 the other two i think we were in a virtual dead heat with and so you're thinking you know we've got to 
have the guys come through this week. And this is a McCaffrey team, and he did not come through. And so that part of it was tricky, and yet we do make it in with big and fun games from so many of the guys that we've been waiting for, the New York Jets moving to Mike White. Garrett Wilson on a lot of our teams, it looked like it was going to work early. Then you go through the long dry patch where Zach Wilson is not just below replacement level, but below the level of performance we've seen from really almost any quarterback in NFL history, including some of the seasons this year. I was mentioning to you before the show that Russell Wilson's performance this past week was very Zach Wilson-esque. Obviously, he has struggled. But you get that move to White. And, and again, you got through the course of the season, and it's a reminder of how fragile and how tenuous everything is. Because if you don't get the Jets making that decision, we don't advance because there's no way that Zach Wilson has this kind of game in the rain. But the other thing that you see here is that Garrett Wilson – I mean, if he had had a decent QB, we'd be talking about him like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. He's that good. The move that he made to break free for his long touchdown run, the best after-the-catch move I've seen from a wide receiver all season. The thing that we tend to emphasize, you've made some just fantastic arguments and explanations for A.J. Brown's brilliance, you know, all the way back to when you were at CBS, but going through the years explaining the before target element and then the after target element we're seeing both of those things from wilson to where he gets open at will including against gimmick defenses including against double teams and then once he has the ball in his hands he makes plays like this so that was a fun part of this week in advancing but yeah week 12 was was awesome our dynasty team is fighting for a playoff spot and it won it's in the more traditional format so like you said we've got a lot of listeners who need these next two weeks to get in. I, I think fantasy is so fun this time of year because there are so many different types of discussions, so many different league formats. The difference between a league that stops after week 12 and has four teams make it versus one that stops after week 14 and has six teams make it. Obviously, a lot of differences there. I'm fired up for all of these. I, I can't wait to see what happens next. You and I obviously draw the one seed and we will be facing a team that has the Patrick Mahomes-Travis Kelsey combination. We know that that combination advanced at a very high rate. Not surprisingly, both of those guys smashing Patrick Mahomes leading the NFL in all the big passing numbers. Travis Kelsey putting up a historic season as a tight end. One of the things here is it'll be interesting to see what the Chiefs do. This is their third shot in the very recent past at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals really the one team that seems to have their number. Maybe Cincinnati comes out there and, and slows these guys down. Yeah, that'll be interesting. That's 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 a really fun matchup for this week. And that'll bring us to our win bet segment of the week. Sign up today to receive a special sports offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. I mean, I want to talk about Garrett Wilson. You're talking about him a ton. It I mean, you described it really well. It's been so exciting. He's been incredible. And I mean, in this game we see Mike White take over. The Jets kind of control the game and white only winds up throwing 28 passes in the rain uh as you mentioned definitely weather played a factor in this game wilson gets eight of those 29 percent target share no one else on the jets has more than three i mean they're kind of spreading the ball around otherwise the running backs which we know elijah moore is just glad that he did get some targets yeah he got, he got a chance to play a little bit got two targets i mean he looked good 
but his uh, snaps and target share and everything still not, uh, excuse me, snaps and route share still not where it was prior to him asking for a trade. He's been a part-time player lately, uh, especially with Corey Davis coming back and into a big role in this offense. They continue to keep uh, Elijah Moore sort of rotational, but look great. But yeah, I mean, White's going to throw to the running backs a decent amount. We know that from last year. That's been really heavily talked about. Did throw to the back seven times on the 28 passes. So you get, you know, a 25% target share there. Doesn't leave a lot of passes for the downfield weapons. And yet, you know, in that whole atmosphere that I'm describing, Garrett Wilson has this eight target, five catch, 95 yard, two touchdown game. I mean, you know, we're talking about him among some really elite players already. But like these are the types of performances that elite players have. I mean, in a in a little bit of a lower volume game, with a, you know some more underneath passing and some of those elements, like he is the guy in this passing game in this in this matchup. The Bears not a very good defense. Certainly, there are uh, caveats you can throw out there, but really impressive game from him this week. He was uh, one of the big bright spots and, and shining spots of of week twelve. So when we look at the four playoff teams, and it's always interesting to see how teams got where they are at this juncture. We had the number one pick advance. That was our squad, the number six, the number seven, and the number 10. And you have a variety of constructions. I think that that part is interesting. Obviously, we went with an anchor running back team, modified zero RB for the real zealots, starting with Christian McCaffrey there. The team out of six selects Travis Kelsey and only takes one running back in the first six rounds. The other two squads running back heavy, an Eckler, Mixon, Connor start, and a Barkley, Henry, Etienne, Nick Chubb start. Nick Chubb in the fourth round, that was a spot where we mentioned that we were very comfortable with him, and you kind of hate to see it go to an elite fantasy manager like uh, the person drafting in 10 there. Then you kind of went through some of the guys that we picked. That A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill combination at the turn, absolutely fantastic. We liked being able to get Jalen Hurts with A.J. Brown. Tyreek Hill, one of these guys who having an even better season than usual after moving over to the Dolphins. This season, it's been interesting because as you have talked about a number of times, we did a full show on it a couple weeks ago. It's definitely still been the case the passing volume and the passing air yards way down this year, but we have seven wide receivers averaging 20 fantasy points or more. And with the exception of DeAndre Hopkins, so I do include him, even though he did miss the first six games, he now has six games where he's averaged 21 points per game. You have those guys, except for Hopkins, they all come out of the first two round area there. Hill sort of at that two, three turn. The elite receivers still smashing and then creating a big gap to the rest of the field. A.J. Brown sort of in that next tier and doing it despite some of these games where the Eagles have gotten run heavy again. This is a game where both Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts put up huge numbers. I think one of the stats from the game, Hurts maybe the only or unlimited uh, company there with 125 rushing and passing yards in the first half of that performance and yet brown still comes out catches the four passes scores the touchdown that we so desperately needed he has been a hit the next couple of rounds not as effective and this i think is interesting because 
Structure is going to be a controversial topic in the offseason. This is a year where more all-over-the-place style of drafting had more success than it usually does. And yet I really like how this team played out for us because what we're trying to accomplish did work and we had the hurdles we had to overcome. So we select Jerry Judy and Rashad Bateman at the 4-5 turn. I kind of like both of those picks still. Judy goes out early in a couple of games. That's one of the reasons why we had to fight for this spot because he puts up a couple of basic zero performances. Rashad Bateman, we know, played well, had a couple of those long plays early. We've seen the complete decline and an almost collapse of the Ravens' offense in his absence, especially with Mark Andrews dropping a couple of key passes this last week. And with J.K. Dobbins not being there, they can't really run the ball either. They've switched between several guys. Gus Edwards does get a touchdown this last week, but, I mean, he's limiting the team now in ways that Kenyon Drake, not, not one of our favorite guys either, but in ways that Kenyon Drake was not. So you lose Judy, you lose Bateman, we come back in round at the six seven turn we go london hurts the london part of it doesn't work and so when you're drafting these teams and you're trying to win the flex you're trying to build a powerhouse team you know that you're going to have some injuries you're going to have a miss we still like the london talent obviously but even in this game and and we did have him benched thankfully but you know that with kyle pitts out still going to be weirdness Zacchaeus ends up being the player who benefits. But then the later picks, the 8-9 turn, Traylon Burks and Rashad Penny. So we lose Penny early as well. The 10-11, Garrett Wilson and Romeo Dobbs. So Dobbs also goes down. But that leaves us with a team that has Burks and Wilson. And I think that Burks is the other real story this week. He has another 50-yard reception. And... He makes one of the like few, actually, I shouldn't say that. There are a lot of fumble recoveries where the guys who made the fumble recovery had to get after it and show incredible heart. You know those guys battling at the bottom of piles are getting gouged every which way. I mean, you got to have heart to go in there and do that. But his fumble recovery where he chases this play 70 yards down the field, jumps on the ball at the key moment, I think you could argue that, well, there is a huge luck element to that, that he should get some credit for having been in that position. The fumble recovery, basically the margin that allows us to advance. I'm hoping this team wins a couple times and then does well in the shootout. I think it's really well placed to do that. If there is a miracle ending to this story, if this turns out to be a team of destiny, and you know, I think you always kind of want to will it into existence at this point, I'm going to remember that Traylon Burks fumble recovery forever. Yeah, that was sweet. I wrote that up as uh, being a huge hustle play as well. Uh, one that you know he sort of deserved because he was blocking downfield and on the 25 yard line and sort of engaged and got kind of knocked down, had to put his hands to the ground to kind of keep himself up. And Henry's already passed him, like passing him as he kind of gets regained. He doesn't go down, but had to kind of push himself back up off the ground with his hands. There's a ton of players that just watch the rest of the play or, or sort of jog after the play. He takes off immediately. I went back and watched that a couple times to. Um, you know, confirm this because that was what I thought at the moment was that it was a great hustle play. And he just takes off immediately sprinting after Henry, who's running, you know, as fast as Henry can go in the open field. And as soon as that ball gets popped out at the five yard line, not only is it 
you know, great for fantasy or for Traylon Burks or what have you. It was amazing for the Titans because that would have been a huge, you know, shift if they got that huge play and then turned the ball over. There weren't really any other Titans down the field. I mean, there was no one else around Burks where he jumped on it, but I think the next closest guys would have ended up being defenders to recover that fumble. He's right there, Johnny on the spot, running so hard uh, and, and dives on the ball and, and, and is able to score. This is a cool play for a player that, you know, later in the game, we talked, I don't know if we talked about it on the show or off the show last week, but um, the game in Green Bay, he has a couple long catches. My take on that was, you know, it was awesome to see Traylon Burks play well, but also he got basically two deep shots, caught them both, needed both of those to end up putting up a pretty strong stat line. And, and your, I think, response to me as well was especially the late one, pretty evident they were kind of trying to get Traylon Burks going. They throw to him in a situation where they could have been trying to run and run the game out in the Titans nine times out of 10 are going to just do that when they're in those spots. They're going to, that's Derrick Henry time, but they went deep to Traylon Burks for like a 50 yard completion late, very late with the game in hand, knowing they'll kind of get one-on-one coverage because the Packers are going to kind of commit to stopping the run. They also had done it very, very early. One of the very first plays of the game. And so it really was just this schemed up designed opportunities. We're going to go to Traylon Burks before the snap. You know, it's not like he got deep and got loose, it was like, okay, early in the game, we're taking a shot to him. Late in the game, we're going to take a shot to him. In this game, we see that same downfield ability manifest in a little bit more of the flow of the game on a deep shot where he just goes up. I mean, it's late in the game. They kind of needed to get something going, but he goes up and makes a, we call him the grown-ass man plays. But, I mean, he went up and made a grown-ass man play, getting up over the defender to catch another 50-yard pass. And we're seeing – that downfield ability as well. So you have the hustle play recovering the fumble. You have the wide receiver skill and ability. And he had a step on that play as well. I mean, that could have been a 70 yard touchdown. Tannehill under throws it a little bit, becomes a contested catch. He goes and wins that. I mean, this guy's a football player. He, he's a, he's been a fun one to watch the last couple of weeks. And it did get pretty dark there for a while where he's injured. And so a lot of teams dropped him. We did not. And we picked him up in some other, circumstances Dave Cabin and I played him in our press to make the playoffs we came up just short but I was glad that we had done that they have Ryan Tannehill spend some time with injury obviously this isn't going to be a huge volume passing attack that was one of your notes for everyone on the upside for AJ Brown even though he's going to another team that's going to have some questions about their passing volume and those questions have definitely played out over the past month. But if you're leaving the Titans, that's not a huge deal, right? Even if you were the guy. Well, Traylon Burks looks like he's going to be the guy. It's exciting to see him do that. And one of the things that these last couple of weeks have really illustrated, I think, is the value of taking the long view. Taking the long view within a season, taking the long view within sort of multiple seasons and looking at a prospect from the perspective of all of the things that he's accomplished. And For people who've been following Burks more than just as a redraft pick this season, I don't think this is a huge surprise. Burks, one of these guys who very popular in Debbie circles for a long time, I think the presumptive number one overall pick or sort of co-number one with Brees Hall, depending on your individual dynasty format, what you need more, how that kind of works out, going into the draft process. And then he has a rough draft process with some of the things there he doesn't test as fast as people are hoping then you go into the offseason and he has the issues with the asthma and suddenly people are talking about him being a potential bust 
Also some focus on the fact that a lot of his success in college on manufactured plays or on deep plays. And one of the things that you noted to me is that, I mean, there are ways that you can spin all of these things positively or negatively, but one of the reasons why I like a lot of the research that started with guys like the fantasy douche and John Moore, one of the reasons why I really love the research that Blair Andrews has done over multiple seasons and looking at some of the machine learning elements here, the types of elements we want from these Uber prospects is you're going to look at the the big picture and understand that the strengths and weaknesses of a college team, the college scheme, the college quarterback, all of those things are going to come into play as well. What you want to see is dominance from the guy doing what he was asked to do. And then the point that you made to me is, look, there are going to be manufactured touches and they're going to be deep balls at the NFL level. You want those plays to be successful. We're now seeing the deep plays. We're not even seeing that many manufactured touches for Burks right now. I think there'll be more of those in his future. But this guy did things at Arkansas that made him a value where he went in the NFL draft, should not have fallen to where he did. Now you can look at this, maybe at this time next year we'll be saying, well, he had this brief little window where he made some big plays, but that was it. I would be surprised if that's the case because he looks like one of a number of star receivers from this rookie class. I'm excited to see what he can do in these kind of, you know, week 13, 14 fantasy playoffs. I'm excited to see what he can do in the race. I'm excited to see what he does for listeners who are in more conventional formats. What does he do weeks 15, 16, 17? And then Dynasty, what does he do going forward? Obviously one of our key picks across the board for this year. Yeah, I mean, it's just a handful of plays. But, I mean, (laughs) you mentioned that 50-yard reception there just are only a handful of guys in the NFL, not just now, but over the last decade. I mean, you're going to have other players who make that play, but to make it in the way that he made it, where you have a gigantic human being rise up, make a play on the ball, have the defensive back so overmatched. I mean, you're talking about Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson types of plays. You're talking about You know, guys like an Andre Johnson. You're talking about guys like an A.J. Brown that bring that size and athleticism to the field. Yeah, he's looking fantastic. I'm really excited uh, with, you know, the dynasty exposure to him, the opportunity to have him in in some of these playoff teams in redraft. Um, This team we mentioned, I mean, we're going to go forward now with Tyree Kill, A.J. Brown, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson. I mean, look, it has... It's been run heavy in Philadelphia the last couple of weeks. AJ Brown has not been hitting the way that we would love. Uh, Traylon Burks has not put up massive numbers all season. Garrett Wilson, you talked about, you know, Zach Wilson was in there not hitting. I mean, I I'm really excited about that four receiver group going forward and what what they can do. I mean, that's four guys that look like just really talented receivers first of all, and then you know, situationally not not great for a couple of them, but. Um, that talent brings a lot of upside with it, right? Another really fun part of this team, you're talking about you're going to remember the Burks thing. I mean, I'm going to remember that we talked about Samaj P. Ryan all season long as a guy. When he gets an opportunity, when he gets in there, you know, the high-value touches are going to be there. The things are going to work out. We weren't playing in Week 11 when he has the three receiving TDs, but we do get a game in Week 12 where he has sort of the workmanlike high-value touch type game that you're looking for from a backup that you know you're going to start he plays I believe it was 80 percent of the snaps you know that's what you're hoping for 
Titans really good run D, so he only runs for 58 yards, but he gets a, a green zone touch and gets the TD. He also gets seven targets. Really unfortunate almost for, for people who are playing P. Ryan that he only catches four of those seven because Burrow's so good at throwing to the back. Some we've talked a lot about. P. Ryan entered this game having caught 22 of his 26 targets on the year, only four incompletions. He catches four of seven here. Obviously, you know, you're not going to catch that high of a rate all season. These things are going to happen, but. In most situations, he probably catches five or six of these, of these seven targets based on the way that you know his season has gone, the way that Burroughs running backs have caught passes at such a high rate over the course of the whole season and the multiple seasons. You know, the week prior, he P. Ryan only got four targets. He caught all four. He had the three receiving TDs. But so yeah, you know, he didn't have a massive high value touch number because I look at the receptions, not the targets, but seeing the seven targets, seeing the green zone touch uh and the touchdown in close. In PPR, he winds up with basically just shy of a 20-point game. He very easily could have been up over 20 points if he catches a couple more of those targets, like I said, or even one more. I think it was 19.3. But it was nice to have that in the lineup, and it was big for us that he finally played at the time when we needed him and gave us this 19.3-point game, especially with McCaffrey, as you mentioned, not really hitting. Our running back scoring would have been pretty weak if we didn't have that P-run game there. Uh, that's been one of the tricky parts of this year, right? Is there hasn't been a lot of guys you can pick up off waivers and just plug and play and get points out of. So Samaje Piran getting the start there came at, at a fortunate time for us. And, uh, you know, it did pan out, I would say, in the way that we have sort of hoped it would whenever he got that opportunity. We will have some questions, Sean, at, at RB2 going into the playoffs, assuming Mixon is back and how we're going to play that. But we, we've been getting by for most of the year with Raheem Mostert as our other guy, another late-round pick. He was obviously out last week. Sounds like he might be back, so he might be the guy that we're playing this coming week. But, yeah, that's a fun team. I'm excited for that team. Our dynasty team you mentioned is in position. It's ha- it's really young. We've talked about it on the show a lot. Had a ton of picks last year, ton of rookies. We have Sky Moore. We have Romeo Dobbs, a couple guys that we've had to wait on a little bit. David Bell, a couple of rookies like that. Drake London hasn't quite hit how we want it, but Garrett Wilson performing well. Um, it's you know, it's got Kyler Murray and 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 Derek Carr in a super flex format. So a couple pretty good quarterbacks, a lot of young tight ends, Pat Fryermuth, Greg Dulcich. That's a fun team as well that we're excited about. And and Garrett Wilson was a, a key part of that team's win again this week. I'm hoping, you know, the, the receiver depth, this young receiver depth, I'm hoping we're going to get this stretch the rest of the way where we see some of these guys that have had the up-and-down season. I mean, again, I don't have to tell a lot of our listeners because we, we draft a lot of these guys. It's been pretty unfortunate is the way that I would put it that the Garrett Wilson run out. the Drake London, I think you can pin on him maybe a little bit. Maybe we're a little too excited about him after the first couple of weeks because he hasn't really performed – I mean, this past week, Olamide Zacchaeus ends up earning a lot more volume than London does with Pitts out. I was expecting London to now start stepping into a, a stronger target share for a long stretch there, even though Pitts wasn't necessarily hitting a ton. He was seeing a lot more volume than London. So interesting to see kind of how London's the rest of his rookie season goes. Sky Moore, a guy that only playing rotationally, but six targets the last couple games is starting to come on and look good. Is somebody from this group of sort of uncertain – Jahan Dotson's another one that I know you you were optimistic about his early touchdown hits, you know, a couple, couple decent games early on. Are any of these rookies that we thought were maybe going to have big full seasons but 
showed some stuff early or in Sky Moore's case hadn't really showed much, but London, Dotson, the guys that haven't produced a ton to this point. I mean, obviously Garrett Wilson is, is producing. Are any of those guys, and you can throw Traylon Burks in there as well, but Burks, I think we're starting to already see it. But are any of these guys going to have the big late season runs? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think so. I think so. I don't know that Moore is going to have a big enough one to be an impact player, but I think if you need to fill spots in deep lineups, that he has become an option, especially with Tony very quickly going from sensation to someone that they probably can't count on. The weird thing with Moore is you're just begging them to to not put him back there to return any more kicks. The games that the Chiefs have gotten through this year, despite weird special teams mistakes, uh, that is not something they they want to keep replicating. But he looks good. You mentioned Drake London. Even with some of these disappointing results recently, he's still at a 26% target share. So part of what's happened with him is simply that their pass volume is excruciatingly low, historically low. But I do agree with your point that you do have to put some of it on him. And that one of the reasons that we were still kind of skeptical about playing him in leagues where we needed to play someone that was maybe borderline this last week is that even with that target share, he doesn't have the type of role within that offense that you felt like they were going to be able to force targets to him with Kyle Pitts out. They've run this the whole season to where even though those guys are the target hogs 
within the context of the low volume, when they need plays, they've used those guys as decoys and then created big shots for guys like Bird and Zacchaeus and, and other players like that. And so you, you're not expecting London to make a big play. You're not expecting with Pitts out that they're going to use Pitts and then have London be the guy playing off of him you're expecting them to let the defense do whatever they want with london and then try and get someone else involved which is how that game did play out the other thing that you know i think that we should say is i mean he had a bad drop in this game that hurt the falcons and it's unfortunate because everybody makes mistakes you have this game last week where Deontay Johnson, I mean, two weeks ago, George Pickens, who looks like he's going to be just an absolute superstar. <laughs> Someone that all those teams, you talk about like him falling to where he fell in the second round. The teams who passed on him in the first round are going to feel silly. He drops a perfectly thrown, amazing touchdown pass from Kenny Pickett. This most recent week, Deontay Johnson drops a touchdown pass from Kenny Pickett. I mean, you guys drop passes. When you're a rookie and you're not getting a lot of pass volume, it's unfortunate there's almost more pressure on you to make the plays you do get a chance to make. But London hasn't exactly done that. He has this drop. He's not someone who has been as dynamic as Wilson in terms of getting open. And I think that even though London has been advertised as, and I think that we'll eventually live up to it, as Mike Evans with more shiftiness, I mean, he's going to need to be better and the team is going to be, need to be willing to throw him open. Right now, Marcus Mariota wants his guys to be wide open and to be basically, I mean, they're schemed plays to where the defense is taking out London and then you get these shots. You're going to need to have a, a completely different type of passing offense for London to reach a ceiling. I think that this loss here last week and again, we don't want to constantly be harping on the show about coaches getting fired, but you did see with the Chicago Bears how much difference that made for Justin Fields. You're going to have a time period in the not-too-distant future where Drake London is a big-time player because the offense has moved more in the direction where someone can be successful. I guess I don't know that he's going to be valuable rest of season the way some of the rest of these guys are. It wouldn't surprise me if he scores some touchdowns, if you're desperate, but he wouldn't be the league winner. The reason that I'm so excited about the team that we got in with Burks and Wilson is that those players a little bit underrepresented, almost certainly, and now a chance to really do some damage late. And so that part, I think you've got to be very fired up about Christian McCaffrey. Also a little bit interesting. He's one of five running backs averaging more than 19 points a game. But if you were to tell people he was going to be mostly healthy, and only average 19 points a game, not really a difference maker. I think people would be surprised and disappointed. One of the fly in the ointment elements after the trade is he has not played in even 70% of the snaps in any of those three weeks. Obviously, except for the injured game, he was playing more than 80% of the snaps with the Panthers. You and I discussed, you sent out a, a fun tweet about the sequence in the game this past week where they have him wide open throw it to the other side of the field instead on a little bit of a designed wide receiver screenish type of play. And then on the fourth and goal, they decide to not have McCaffrey or Debo Samuel in. I mean, if, if you told people that a drive ended with Jimmy Garoppolo losing his balance and lunging sideways into the defense and falling down at the one yard line, 
but also Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey were not in on that play. Now Debo had gotten shaken up on the previous play. So you understand him coming out. I mean, Debo is constantly getting shaken up, but you probably don't need to have both of those guys out right now. The other potential problem there, Christian McCaffrey shaken up. Then as I look forward with this, I can't help but have a little bit of me that is really excited because number one, he's Christian McCaffrey. And then number two, the 49ers have the third easiest remaining strength of schedule. So if there's a matchup-based element that could launch him to a couple of 40-plus games, that exists. Is he going to be healthy enough to to get us there? I mean, where are you thermometer-wise, scale-wise, in your current 49ers enthusiasm? I've mostly been still optimistic about McCaffrey. Um I know there's a lot of people that are seeing the ways that Elijah Mitchell's being used and are concerned. And now obviously Mitchell's hurt and it sounds like he's going to be hurt for basically the rest of the regular season, which is unfortunate for him, obviously, because he, he missed so much of the season already. It's the opposite knee, but he's going to be out for an extended period of time. I, I mean, I, I always look at the high value touches, right? I talk about those a lot, the receptions, the, the goal line work. There's been some uncertainty with McCaffrey's, green zone work they'll work inside the 10 yard line and that that sequence you referenced they they run four and goal plays and they have him on the field for just one and he's wide open on that one i mean mccaffrey is you're talking about a short area of the field where the field's condensed you can't do as much to threaten defenses downfield his ability in short spaces is so dominant that it's it's just hard to understand why he's not out there other than he was a little banged up and i think that was really the, the main reason we saw you know, Elijah Mitchell playing before his own injury in the two-minute drill at the end of the first half. Then early in the second half, we see Jordan Mason getting some run after Mitchell got hurt. And then they seem to go back to McCaffrey more in the second half than they probably wanted to, in part because, you know, Mitchell then got hurt. And it was like they wanted to give McCaffrey some time off and let Mitchell play, but then Mitchell gets hurt. And so it, it was a complicated situation. I it sounds like McCaffrey's mostly fine. I'm kind of expecting him to actually have that 70% snap share now that Mitchell's not there. I think part of it was they like Mitchell too. Um, but I hadn't been that concerned about McCaffrey anyway because he's been getting the high value touches. Even in this game where a little bit banged up, he has six. It's a pretty solid number. The pre three previous games with the Niners, he had 10, 8, and 7. I've talked a lot. It hasn't been as true this year with less passing overall. I think probably running back receiving is down overall other than Austin Eckler. Basically we're not seeing much ceiling in the running back receiving realm. I mean, McCaffrey's second in the NFL, 58 catches. Eckler's got 80 right now. And then you have Ramondre Stevenson is third with 50. You got Kamara at 49. And then, I mean, you're down to Leonard Fournette at 43. I mean, there's not a lot of guys. There's only 11 guys that have caught 30 balls at this point in the year. I mean, mo all of those guys have played 10 games. We're talking about three catches a game. That's not a ton. Again, Eckler's at 80, and there's only 11 guys that have 30. But McCaffrey is one of the guys that has continued to get high-value touches, and they've, they've continued to run him on a lot of routes in San Francisco. They've been giving up those sort of low-value touches, a lot of the carries in other areas of the field. The concern is, will he get the touchdown work? And they've been giving – the in-close work to Mitchell, or they've been splitting basically, but Mitchell's been getting enough of that work as to be a concern. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, the other players that now factor in, whether it's Jordan Mason, Tyrion Davis-Price, Tevin Coleman, maybe, if those guys cut into it 
or if McCaffrey health permitting now starts to actually get the really big workload, including some of the low, low values. I mean, I'm more concerned about the routes and the touchdown equity. I mean, and and I really, the touches are down. People are concerned uh, about, you know, in in those games about Elijah Mitchell getting more touches, but you're talking about a really high percentage of McCaffrey's touches being the high value touches, the ones that, that generate fantasy points. So, I mean, I don't know. It's been it's been an interesting thing. I've seen a lot of the responses that have been like, McCaffrey's not the player that you want him to be. I mean, he had the 40-point game in Week 8, and then he comes back, and Week 10 he has 17-plus. Week 11 he has 17-plus and doesn't even score a touchdown because he catches seven balls and has 67 receiving yards. This past week, not a good week. But like 17 points, people were making that case before this past week. 17 points is not – for a down week without any touchdowns like that. that my, the point I'm trying to make is if he scores a touchdown that game, it's 23, right? It's 24 points. That's what we're looking for, right? I mean, he's not going to score 30 every week. Obviously with McCaffrey, you, you're talking about the potential to do that and to be a 30 point score consistently to be 24, 25 points a game pretty easily. He hasn't quite been there, but I, I also, I, I guess I just don't think he's that far off. It really comes down to touchdowns. Yeah, and I should say that he had the 80-plus snap percentage in that 40-point game against the Rams. The second game there, we would expect him to have some shots at that going forward, and especially, I think, now with Mitchell out. They do have three other guys that they like. They may use a rotation behind him, but as they make their push and as they get ready for the reality playoffs and looking like an NFC favorite, you have to like how that sets up. So, Ben, we're excited It'll be a fun couple of weeks here. We're excited for all the listeners who have similar teams, different teams. Congratulations to the other three teams that make the playoffs in our league there. We're obviously rooting against them, but excited for how everyone has done in this and the FFPC contests. Such a good time. We hope that you had success in yours. We've got a lot of good best ball things going on there. So Ben, we are excited about that squad. Congratulations and good luck to the other three teams as we fight for the title. For all listeners who are involved in the same situation, good luck to you. Everybody, as you go through these next couple of weeks, regardless of your format, week 13, week 14, they're going to be very, very important. Ben, I just hope that the football is similar or maybe even better over these next couple of weeks. We had such a fun day on Thanksgiving with two of the three games being fantastic. The other game, the Giants, I think, fighting pretty well. Had a good time with you profiling those games last week. I can't wait to see what the end of the season has to offer for us. Yeah, me neither. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, you look at the teams that are advancing in a lot of different leagues. I mean, it's been it's been a an interesting year and and, um, we're going to have plenty of time to review what went right, what went wrong. Sean, you and I are very much on the same wavelength of wanting some time to kind of sit with it and think about this year. I made the case over ceiling signals this week that, you know, it's been a very interesting, pretty unique season. I mean, it it has been just statistically the scoring has been down. uh, Rushing has been up. There's been a lot of league wide shifts. Uh, one of the crazy stats that I mentioned is like you look at the Bears who are last in pass attempts per game, where they're at right now in pass attempts per game, the, the last team to have 
fewer pass attempts per game. It's not a lot of times when we say that it's like 2004 or something. It's not in the 2000s. It's not in the most of the 90s. It's 1990. Uh, Los Los Angeles Raiders, I think, at that time. I mean, you're talking about a, it's been a really long time since we've seen a team throw fewer passes than the Bears have thrown this year. A lot, a lot of shifts in the ways that uh, things have, have happened and, and gone this year. And I, I mean, we've said this a lot, but I do still think that the ways the playoffs play out is going to be a lot different than the ways that we got here. I, I think the teams that that got here are, are largely riding, you know, a few key pieces. And and we've talked about that a little bit, but the fantasy playoffs could be really, really unique this year. And I think we, we can see um, some, some big, you know, changes in, in who actually winds up winning relative to what the seeds were going in and those types of things. So it, it should be a lot of fun. It should be those first two rounds. So loaded, hard to find hits outside of that. One of the big hits, obviously Josh Jacobs, he has the third toughest schedule from now through week 17. So anybody who doesn't have him and is in the playoffs against him or some type of race against him, there is a little bit of good news for you there. Doesn't mean that he'll be stopped. You prefer to have a star player than worry about the schedule, but there is a little bit of a hurdle in his future. We'll see how all this goes. That is our first episode of Stealing Bananas for this week, though. Looking forward to the FFPC playoffs. Rooting for all of you guys. I'm Sean Siegel. With me is Brian Gretsch. You can follow at yards per Gretsch. Make sure you sign up for Stealing Signals, Stealing Lines. Ben, you did have some fantastic intros in Stealing Signals this week. People won't want to miss. I did a fun exercise on huge running back games, both regular season and postseason earlier this week over at Rotoviz. If you want to join us there, you can use the coupon code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. Get 10% off your one-year subscription. Subscribe to the feed. Leave us a rating and review. Drop those comments on YouTube. All those things help us with the various algorithms. And until next time, we'll see you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.